welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Glad you made it to church. This must be the football crowd. So glad you're here. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online around the country and world. Glad you could make it to church as well. Uh, before we dive into the teaching this morning, I, I want to bring a financial update to you. We're midway through our year. We run from July to July. Got some really great news. And for those of you who don't know, and most of you probably don't know this, but our budget to run six campuses and nearly 300 staff, uh, soon to be seven campuses, is $34.5 million. And the good news, I know that sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. Uh, actually, we, we run a very lean organization. Churches that look at us that are our size around the country say you operate on that, that lean of budget, and we actually do. We're very careful about that. Uh, but that includes all of our ministries, our staff, our, our local and global missions. So a budget, $34.5 million. The great news is our giving in this church up until this point, midway point, is 10% above our projected budget, uh, you know, projection. So that's just an amazing, yeah, a great, great news thing. Um, and a month ago, we challenged all of you who aren't tithing to consider doing that with a 90-day challenge, and 331 fa families decided to join that challenge. I know that's a scary step, but I just want to uh, congratulate those of you who are doing that. Getting 10% of your income is just a crazy thing in this world if you talk to most people. But thousands of us do that because we think that that's honoring to God. And so 331 of you have signed on so far. And I just, I just pray and I trust that God is going to bless you in ways and honor you in ways that you can't even predict. So way to go, those 331 families. And you might ask, what are we going to do with this, this kind of excess that we've really not used to, but this is what we're going to do. You know, YZ, the YZ campus is going to open in March, so those of you on the west side of the Twin Cities, you can look forward to that. That's going to be a $2 million launch with cameras, lights, and all the things we've got to put into that auditorium along with staff. There's going to be a Blaine expansion, we hope. The city hasn't signed off. The Blaine city hasn't signed off on that yet, but we hope to begin construction there. To add a 1,500-seat worship center there in Blaine uh, and uh, modify the present one that seats 850 in children's space. Uh, all that because Blaine is just exploding and continues to explode in growth. And so we, we want to be able to do that. That's going to be a $13 million expansion. By the way, we will be able to do that debt-free, no borrowing because of the generosity of this church. And then finally, those of you in the South Metro, we, we haven't forgotten you. Uh, all options are on the table, and we hope to get there sooner than later, but it all depends on you know, the resources that continue to come in. But all that to say, just I'm so proud of this church. And really, the, the, the number that I love, we love to measure around here, we track, are the number of people who are coming to Christ. And so far this year, from July till now, 1,313 people have come to know Jesus Christ in our church and online. So that's, that's the number we're really proud of. So if you're a person who has money, and we all have some money, and you're looking for a place to have great return on your investment. No better place than the local church that's doing it right. Hey, we're in a series called If I Could Just Be Free. I want to start with a question for you just to think about. If you could wave a magic wand over your life and be free of something, what would it be? Some of you, maybe, maybe you say it's work. You hate going to work. You would love to be free of work. Maybe it's a debt that you have or a bothersome habit or a pain or an ail ailment that doesn't go away. Maybe it's a person. And you think, if that person would just get out of my life, <laughs> I'd be free. But then there'd be another person, I guarantee it. But today I'm talking about a problem that I think is universal. Uh, it's a problem that I personally struggle with. 
and wish I could gain freedom from. My extended family struggles with this problem. It's so severe in some cases in our family that it requires medication to try to control it. And the problem, of course, that I'm talking about today is anxiety. Honestly, if I could overcome anxiety, I would feel a freedom that I have never felt before. And what's a little weird in my life is the thing that God has gifted me to do the best, which I think is teaching, causes more anxiety for me than anything else. So about six years ago, I got a call from Willow Creek Church in Chicago, and every year they do a conference called the Global Leadership Summit that's attended by 400,000 leaders around the world, and they said, Bob, we need to raise $2 million during the offering time during the summit. Would you come and do a three-minute talk or three-minute ask? We think you're the guy. And I thought, I am so not the guy. Uh, to do that. The idea of standing on that stage in Chicago in front of 7,000 people broadcast live to 400,000 other people just terrified me. They said, will you do it? I said, of course. I hung up the phone. My hands literally began shaking, and it was three months away. Now, I've done public speaking all my life. I've even taught others how to do it. But to prepare for that three-minute talk, it took two 45-minute conference calls with six people from Willow, Every night for three months, I laid awake thinking about this three-minute talk. It took me two hours just to write the first line. Five days before the event, I started memorizing it, and I practiced it 40 times in private, but I kept stumbling over the first two lines. My wife finally said, Bob, why don't you change those two lines? I said, because they're so good. She said, well, what are they? I said, I can't remember. Honestly, I keep stumbling, and I couldn't. So they flew me down. They put me up in a very nice hotel. They picked me up the next morning, led me down front in reserve seating. I got all wired up, prepared at 2 o'clock, and at 4 o'clock, it was time for me for my three-minute little deal. Sitting in the front row next to me was Erwin McManus, who was a creative genius. Craig Groeschel sitting next to him, pastor of the largest, largest church in the country. New York Times best-selling authors were sitting on the other side of me, authors Henry Cloud and Patrick Lencioni. And then, of course, Bill Hybels, who right before I got up to do my thing, said this. He whispered to me, he said, we only need two million. <laughs> like, whatever you do, don't screw this up. And I knew Bill. I know, I know that's what he was saying to me. So everything was timed to the second. The producer pointed at me to go. I stood up, and I'm telling you, the walk from my seat to the stage was so terrifying, I thought I might faint, just fall over fainting. I stood there alone. I located the red dot on the center camera. The lights came up, and the three-level auditorium went completely silent. And some of you are, like, feeling sorry for me. I'm glad that you should. I mean, that was terrifying. Nobody could feel my heart pounding. Nobody could feel my palms sweating. Nobody heard the early morning prayer when I sat in my room all alone and just prayed to Jesus to carry me through these three minutes of terror. Now, the good news, I survived. The bad news, it took three months off my life, and we only raised $800,000, so it was an epic failure. They haven't asked me back. I'm so glad. But the anxiety I felt then, honestly, is the same anxiety I feel every time I walk out onto this stage. Not quite as intense, but it's there. And one of the things I've learned in life is that anxiety never really goes away for me. There's really no cure. 
I mean, there's no prayer you can pray or pill you can take to finally get free of anxiety. Chances are some of you or somebody you know struggles with anxiety. According to the Institute of National Health, anxiety disorders are the number one health problem among women and second only to drugs and alcohol abuse among men. Between 1997 and 2004, Americans doubled their spending from $900 million to $2 billion a year is spent on anti-anxiety medication. By the way, if you're a parent, you know well that kids and teenagers are struggling with anxiety at alarming levels today, as are college students. And honestly, I don't have the answer. I don't have a cure because I don't think there really is a cure. But here, here's what I have found, that with God's help and better habits, it can get better. And fortunately, the Bible tells us how to do this. I want to give you a definition of what I think anxiety is. It's really the feeling of inner turmoil caused by the uncertainty of a potential loss or failure. It's the unpleasant emotion that you actually feel. You feel anxiety. Author Max Lucado writes it this way, anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't get the job? What if I don't make the team? What if I don't get asked out? What if my kids get sick? What if we can't afford braces? I bet if we dug around at what's causing your anxiety, we would find a what if behind it. What are some of the symptoms of anxiety? How do you know if you struggle with this? Well, here are some of the symptoms, you know. If you have headaches, tension in your neck, excessive sweating, nervous twitching, chest pain, panic attacks, shaking, trembling, cold chills, hot flashes, sleep disturbances, numbness, tingling, upset stomach, nausea, shortness of breath, muscle tension, feeling like you might be going insane, dizziness, or feeling faint. <laughs> you might just struggle with some anxiety. I think I described everyone, by the way, just right now. And some of us are anxious about everything, aren't we? I mean, if you're not feeling anxious about something, you're anxious that you're not feeling anxious, right? Which is why this verse out of Philippians 4 is so unbelievable. Paul writes it this way, don't be anxious about anything. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? First of all, God understands that we struggle with this or he wouldn't have put it in the Bible. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. How is that even possible? Well, you need to understand in the Greek, this was written in the present active tense, which means he was, he was trying to say, don't be constantly, perpetually, all the time anxious. All of us are going to be anxious from time to time over things that happen. That's normal. But he's saying, don't let anything make you perpetually anxious. So I have a rock with me today. And this represents anxiety, and this rock's a lot bigger, heavier than I wanted it to be, but, you know, I didn't check with the staff. And, but this is how anxiety feels. It feels heavy. You know, I'm all right hanging on to this for a few seconds, a couple of minutes maybe, but if I carried this all day long, it would begin to weigh me down. 
But I'm telling you, this is what a lot of us do. We carry anxiety with us all day long. And it begins to affect us. We carry it on our back. We carry it on our chest. We carry the problems that we're having in our family. We just, we just carry it all day long. We carry the problems we're having at work. We're carrying the problems we're having at school, the uncertainty of the future. But I want to show you a verse that, gang, if we can get a hold of this, it can be a game changer for every single one of us. Peter writes about anxiety in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. But he begins in kind of a different way. Look what he says. He says, all of you, that means all of us, doesn't matter if you're a believer or unbeliever, doesn't matter if this is the first time you've been to church in 50 years, okay? All of you. All of you, clothe yourselves, just as natural as it was to get up today and clothe, put on clothing, do this every day, clothe yourselves with humility. Time out. Thought we were talking about anxiety. We are. But there is a connection between humility and anxiety that is critical, critical to understand and overcome. He says, clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud. Problem if you're an arrogant person. God's not neutral on people. Or he opposes, actively works against those of us who are arrogant. But... He gives grace to the humble. And this is so key to overcoming anxiety. I know some of you are worried about this backpack. Just don't worry, I got it, okay? <laughs> God opposes the proud. What's pride? Pride says what I just said. I got this. Pride says, I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to take on and carry life's challenges all on my own. I am self-made. And that's how a lot of us were raised. You know, work hard, get after it, meet the demands of life, be tough. And by the way, the Bible supports some of that. That's not bad. The Bible instructs us to be diligent and work hard. But what isn't good is if we become so self-reliant and so confident in ourselves that we begin to kind of marginalize God, squeeze God out of our life. We don't need his help. That in our effort to solve every problem, meet the challenges all on our own, we are essentially saying, God, I got this. Don't really need you in my life. I will carry these problems on my own. I will solve this conflict, debt, whatever problem I'm having, all on my own. And I'm telling you, gang, it is the source of anxiety because you and I were not built to take on life's issues and problems. All our own. Pride says, I got this. Don't need you, don't need anybody else. I got this. Humility says, I don't have it. I can't do this on my own. I can't overcome this issue. It says, I am aware of the fact that I can't really control my kids. I can't guarantee good health. I can't overcome infertility or prevent a life-threatening illness. Humility says, God, I actually need you. I'm actually going to begin to trust you. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And are you beginning to see how pride and arrogance raises anxiety? Because it's all on you. Well, humility begins to lower it because it's all on God. 
Peter continues to explain how this works. He says, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. That he may lift you up. Love that. In due time. God says, I will lift you. I will help you if you'll let me. And I love this phrase, in due time. See, part of the reason we struggle with this is we expect immediate results. We say, okay, God, I'll try this one time. I'll trust you one time. I'm going to humble myself and trust you to get me out of debt, for example. But there's this new car, and I just got to have it. Right? Nothing wrong with a new car. So, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a fistful of pull tabs. And I'm going to trust you to make me rich quick so I can get what I want. First of all, so dumb. Okay, just dumb. But second, we're like, God, I prayed about this. I asked you. I went to holiday, bought the pull tabs. But I still feel anxious and defeated. God says, look. Remember, I said, humble yourself under my mighty hand, and I will lift you up in due time. Due time might be a month from now. Might be a year from now. Due time might be after you've gone to counseling, asked forgiveness, and eliminated some bad habits like buying pull tabs. Due time might be after you commit, really commit to praying, trusting, and worshiping God on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. And now verse 7, let go of pride, embrace humility, and here it is. Peter says, cast all, every bit of it, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's it's. Throwing everything on Christ. He says, throw it, cast it on God. Because he cares for you. That's very different than what we normally do, isn't it? We've been taught to carry everything and tough it out on our own. And I love what Clay Scroggins says uh, from North Point Church. He's a pastor there, author. And by the way, I got some of my ideas from, from a message he gave on this topic. But Clay says, anxiety stems from carrying something you weren't meant to carry. So true. My wife and I recently decided we're going to stay in our present home for the rest of our life. And so this fall, we, we built an addition to make that more doable. And I, I know nothing about building. <laughs> I know nothing about plumbing, heating, you know, siding, or electricity. I can't do any of those things. But I decided to be the general contractor anyway. Because <laughs> I'm just not that bright. So far, our marriage has survived, but... My anxiety has been just through the roof. I mean, when the plumber said to me, Bob, we have to cut a trench through your concrete basement floor. I said, cut a what through a what? We got to cut a trench through your concrete basement floor. You need a diamond blade saw, a jackhammer to break it up. I said, I can't do that. I can't cut a trough through my cement floor. He said, well, that's not my problem. <laughs> so I called my friend Scott Jordan, and Scott said, I've got a saw, come over. Then another friend, Scott Tierney, said, Bob, anything you need, I'll help you with it. We'll cut through that floor, no problem. I hugged him. I literally hugged him. I want to show you this, this picture of what we cut through my, my basement floor. It was just a mess. and It was an unbelievable, terrible job. And now here's the finished product. 
But in that moment, I actually felt my anxiety slide off my shoulders. Why? Because Scott and Scott carried me. They literally took my anxiety, put it on themselves, and I was set free by their, I got to mention a few other guys, Andy, Brent, Greg, and Pete Lowell, same thing. They just saved my life, literally. Gang, stop carrying something you weren't meant to carry. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on Christ because he cares for you. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, but how do I know God really cares for me? I know it's a verse in the Bible, but how do, I, how do I know he really cares? Well, here's why I know that God cares for every one of us. I mean, what's the evidence that God cares for the details of your life and mine? How can we trust that God really cares for us and that we can believe what he says? The reason is this, because at the core of our faith, there's a cross. At the core of our faith, it's not just something God said, but it's something God did. And what God did was he looked down on humanity. He looked down on you and me. And he knew we had a sin problem and we're stuck in our sin. And so here's what God did. He sent his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to this planet through this amazing, miraculous virgin birth, and Christ walked the planet for 33 years, showed us how to live, perform miracles, taught like unbelievable, died, rose again, to pay for your sins and mine. Because when somebody breaks the law, somebody's got to pay. And all of us have broken God's moral law, every single one of us, including me, especially me. And so God in his love sent his son, Jesus, who spilled his blood to pay for your sins and mine so we could be free of sin. The Bible says God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die a brutal death, to pay for us. And I can tell you that if God loves us that much, if Jesus spilled his blood as, as the all-sufficient payment for sins, yours and mine, then you and I can know that God cares for us more than anything. So when Peter says, cast all your cares upon him, gang, we can do that. We can cast every single one of our anxieties and problems and fears. We can take God at his word. And if we'll trust him with it, we can be set free. But I gotta tell you something, it's not a one-time event. Maybe that's the moment of salvation for us when we begin trusting Christ, that moment. But that's just the beginning. It's a daily practice. I, I'm telling you, I need to cast my anxiety on Jesus every single day, sometimes several times a day. And as we get into the daily practice of throwing our anxieties on him, I'm telling you, you'll begin to feel the peace of God that passes human understanding. The burdens will begin to get lighter 
and you'll begin in due time to notice that you are more free. But before we wrap up today, I want to give you three quick practical steps to overcome anxiety. So here we go. Number one, let anxiety be, be, be the ping to pray. Because Paul goes on to write, he says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything that causes anxiety, here's the step, by prayer and by petition, present your request to God. As soon as you feel anxiety rise up, let that be the ping to pray. You know, those of us who have cell phones, you know, when your phone pings and you get a text, what do a lot of us do? Ooh, hey, there's a ping. My phone's buzzing. I got to drop everything and go get it. It can be three rooms away. And you drop everything, your fork, the kids, the universe stops for the ping. Right? How many of you have a friend or coworker who's driven? Driven by the ping. Lives for the ping, pretends they're paying attention to you, but they're really listening for the ping. You know it, I know it. This is why people can't converse anymore. They're possessed by the ping. Here's what I want you to remember. Let the ping of anxiety be your signal to pray. Cast it all. Second step, establish a daily time and place to release your anxiety in prayer because it's not just your ping, it's everybody else's ping. So you have to, you have to establish a ping-free zone, a time and place where there's no pings allowed. See, the reason a lot of people don't have a connection with God, don't sense God in their life, don't ever hear from God by their spirit is because they're wired to everything else. Something is always on. Gang, you gotta fight for quiet places where God can actually break through. And that's why I'm so proud of all of you who are in church today. You're actually, you've turned it off. And you've opened your heart to what God might want to say and online as well. I've mentioned this before, but I have a little ritual that I practice every Saturday at noon as I come to church for the Saturday evening services. About three miles before I go over a bridge that crosses the freeway, I begin to pray. And I use that bridge as the dumping place for all of my anxiety, all my weaknesses and junk and crud that's built up over the week. And before I cross over from Hugo to Lionel Lakes, the bridge separates those two communities, I pray, God, I leave all my sins, all my failures, all my weaknesses, all my junk right here, and I dump it right here in Hugo. And I leave it there. I mean, it's a little unfair to Hugo. I understand that. But as I cross over the bridge, I ask God to fill me. God, fill me with your love. Fill me with your peace and your power. And I'm telling you, I can actually feel God beginning to strengthen me in my weaknesses and relieve me of the anxiety that I have, that bridge is the place where I let go of everything and I get filled with God's love. So here's my challenge to every single one of you. Find a bridge where every day you dump your anxiety and you ask God to fill you with his love and power on your way to work or school. Find an intersection or a landmark where you turn everything off and you ask God, God, fill me. Now, third one. This is so, so important. Control 
what you can control and let go of the rest. This is so key. In other words, and I want to show you a verse that, that supports this. Cast all your anxiety on him, Peter says, because he cares for you. And then he says, and be self-controlled. It, it almost doesn't fit until you, until you think about it. it. It's not just, in other words, it's not just casting our anxiety on Jesus and do nothing. He says, and be self-controlled. So I, I thought about this. I think the three most common sources of anxiety are our jobs, money, and kids, if you have kids. So when it comes to your job, what can you control? Well, you can show up on time, give it your best, and treat people well. You control that. And I guarantee if you do those three things on a consistent basis, your anxiety will go down because you won't have to worry about being fired. But if you're consistently late, aren't productive, and are a pain in the neck to work with, you have good reason to be anxious. Control, you can control. Lots of anxiety around money. But what do you control? Well, we can control, you can control your debt, your spending, your saving, and your giving. Gang, you are in charge of those four areas. You're in control of those things. And if you do those four things, your anxiety about money will continue to go down. What you can't control, you know, are the economy, stock market, emergency expenses. But if you control debt, spending, and saving, you won't worry about the economy as much. Kids. I can't control who my kids' friends are, pretty much. I can't control what pops up on their iPhone. And really, I can't control or guarantee if my kids are going to turn out to be intelligent, moral, or productive. I tell parents this all the time. Parenting is a total crapshoot. I mean, you can do everything right and still have a kid go off the rails. But I also say this. To give your kids the best shot at turning out well, Here's what you can control. You can lead them to church every weekend so at least they'll have a chance of hearing something good and productive and godly in their life. You can lead a godly moral life yourself, parents. Parents, the number one reason there's messed up kids is because there's messed up parents. Get your own life in order. Start following Christ if you're not. Lead a godly moral life yourself, and you give your kids a heads up, a head start. You can control this part of your kid's life. Get them around other godly men and women so that they can reinforce the same values that you're teaching them on a daily basis. You can expose them to great teaching and podcasts. You can bring them to the best student ministry in the nation here at our church if you're in the, in the area with the hope with the hope that your kids will then choose to follow Jesus Christ, choose to stay sexually pure, avoid bad relationships, and grow up to be leaders in life and faith. Parents, that's what you want for your kids, and you can control a lot of that, and there are certain things you can't control. But you've got to give them the best shot. I'm telling you, in today's world, in today's world, if you just let your kid find his or her way without your guidance or God's guidance, you and they, I promise you, will pay a very high price 
and your anxiety will go off the charts. Control what you can control. You're a parent for a reason. Truth is, I can't control an addict who refuses to get help. I can't control an adult child who refuses to, re to be responsible and get a job. I can't control a parent who uses manipulation or guilt to try to get their way. I can't control a sibling who won't stay married or hold down a job. I can pray for them. You know, I can offer them advice if they ask for it. But gang, I cannot, nor can you, fix somebody who is irresponsible and refuses to get help. That is not mine or yours to carry. Catch this. Some of you are trying to carry people and problems that are beyond your control. And my prayer for all of us all week long is that you would get clarity on what is yours to carry and what you need to release and give that to God who can do all things and bring miracles into your life. Cast all your cares. One final thing and we're done. Chemical imbalance is a real issue. It's a real thing, and it can be helped by medication. Uh, Lewis Smedes was a brilliant professor of theology at Fuller Seminary, but he battled depression all his life. And in his book, My God and Me, he describes a particularly dark period in his life where he felt like he was sinking into a black pit, and he writes these words. But then God broke through to my terror and lifted me up, not only with his love, but with a 20-milligram capsule of Prozac. With one pill each morning, God clears the garbage in my brain and gives me a fresh start. I swallow every capsule with gratitude to God. There is no shame in taking medication for an imbalance that might be in your makeup. I don't know why you have that, but you do, and there's no shame in that. And thank God for doctors and science that can kind of figure that kind of stuff out. So glad you came today. Cast all your cares on him. Let anxiety be the ping to, ping to pray. Find a bridge. Control what you can control. Be thankful for medicine. Use it. Take it if you need it. Be grateful to God for the gift of Tylenol and Prozac and whatever else we might need. And then finally, get clarity on what is yours to carry and what you need to let go and let God take care of. At all campuses that stand for closing prayer and be on our way. And as you're standing, again, Christmas is two weeks away, less than two weeks away, our services start. Who are you going to invite? Start praying about that. Christmas services are going to be life-changing. I'm already looking forward to it. Can't wait. Bring someone with you. Take a risk. You have nothing to lose. Everything to gain. So God, we stand here, we bow before you, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your incredible love. You know each of us by name. You know our middle name. 
you know the hairs on her head. Some of us don't have much of that, but you know about it. And you know the anxiety that each of us has. And I just want to lead you in a prayer, and if you are carrying an anxiety, there's a source to that, whatever it might be. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a a financial strain. Maybe it's your kids. So together, God, right now, right here, we cast our anxiety on you because you care for us. We release this problem, this this thing that we've been trying to carry every day, and it's heavy, and we every time we wake up, it's there. So God, I pray, we pray, that you will take our burden, carry it, carry us, and help us to learn how to do that every day because you care for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been great to be with everybody today. God bless all of you. Way to go.